Happy Valentine's Day, friends. Welcome to the special Valentine's edition of Fangirl Happy Hour. I'm Renee, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow Fangirl Anna to discuss our favorite relationships and to share some of your fellow listeners' favorites, too. Hello, Anna. Hi! Happy Valentine's Day! Yay! It's Yay. the day where we can all totally eat chocolate with no guilt. Right. Um, no, because I don't celebrate Valentine's oh. Day. <laughs> and you don't eat chocolate either. And I don't eat chocolate either. Do you celebrate Valentine's Day? Not in the... No. I mean, we're going to go do something, maybe? I don't know. We don't have Valentine's Day in Brazil. So is that is that like an American thing? Is it an American thing? Is it? Or is it like Halloween? In, in, a, in British as well. I think they do Valentine's oh. Day on the 14th of February here. But in Brazil... We celebrate a version of Valentine's Day, which is what we call like boyfriend and girlfriend day, but it's in twelfth of June. What's it called? Like in port, like in Portuguese, what's it called? Dia dos Namorados. It's amazing. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> Languages are so funny. Well, okay, so in June. I mean, I guess that makes more sense because that's like springtime. It's so weird here that. It's in yeah. February. It's like the dead of winter for the Northern Hemisphere. America's like, let's celebrate love. <laughs> well, you know, you are tucked inside the bed and you are under the covers already. So it's kind of like snuggling, you know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. So we're here to talk about our favorite like ships or relationships or pairings or whatever from media that can be either canonical or non-canonical. Okay. Because if they were had to be canonical, I would be fucked. So, <laughs> but we also asked on Twitter for people who wanted to take part to send us like a little voice memo of their favorite ship and why they like them. So throughout this episode, you're going to hear a bunch of those from the different people. The first one we have actually comes from Claire, who writes for the Literary Omnivore, and she's an LB editor over at Lady Business, and you can find her at Lit Omnivore on Twitter. So, there are a lot of reasons that I love Sailor Moon, Saruk, and Machiru. They're gorgeous, they're powerful, they're wicked talented, and they are so comfortably but obviously in love with each other. It's like the Adamses or something. I just think they're so cool. But what makes them really special to me right now is that everyone else around them thinks that too. Not only are they themselves, on their own, seen as aspirational ideals for the inner guardians, but their relationship is also seen as an aspirational ideal. When the coolest couple in your mid-90s shoujo anime is the canonically queer one, it just makes me feel all warm inside. And so now it's time for Anna's first ship. Anna, what do you got for us? Well, first of all, I would like to start this with a statement that this was the worst task <laughs> that you have ever given me. Because you said, you can only pick three on And I'm like, okay, it's going to be easy. But friends, I agonized over this. I had nightmares. I'm like, how do I choose three couples that I like the most? Because do I choose the ones from my childhood? Do I choose the ones from... The ones that I like now? Do I choose, choose the ones that formed me as a person? Do I choose the ones that gave me the idea of romantic love, even though I am past that now? So how do I choose three? I don't even know. And eventually I decided on three. And I think they might be my favorites. But me right now. Also, not you, some not, of them, not, not, like not you next week, basically. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, next week I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying because like, actually two of them are from a few years ago. I just thought those are the ones that I, it came to my mind immediately. Okay, so that's that's a lot of an intro. So let's let's, you, let's get. You can tell you were a little. Everybody, she got, was conflicted. You can tell she was I conflicted. Was so conflicted. So I conflicted. am a mean, mean podcast boss. So bad. So, so number bad. one, go tell us. So the first one is the couple that made me ship for the first time in the way that we think of shipping, and it was also the couple that made me go online to search for spoilers and then it's the couple that got me to become friends with Taya, my blog partner at the book smugglers so basically they are the couple that i loved but also the couple that made everything possible for me and it's kate and sawyer from lost the tv show i obsessed over them do you know how i used to watch lost renee no so you know I am here in the UK, obviously, and Lost would show in the United States at 8 p.m. at night, and that was 2 a.m. for me here in the UK. So I used to go to bed, wake up at 2, go online, because I had friends watching the episode, that they would just type over what was happening so I could watch, quotation marks, with them at the same time, because oh I couldn't God, wait. Anna. I know, I know. It was Lost Day. It was the day when I was up from 2 to 5 a.m. Because, of course, after the episode was done, we all had to go and talk about it. And if, if there was any Kate and Sawyer scene, oh, my God, I used to love this couple so much. So much. So, 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 so much. They were super cool together. They had great chemistry. And... That's intense. Although I like that how you, super did, tense. you didn't know, actually do the fan thing or you went and looked up fanfic though, huh? I did. I, oh, I wow. That was the only ever fan fiction that I read. Uh, we used to go to Lost Forum and there was a lot of fan fiction being written there. And there was one called On the Road by Leia. And that was one of my favorite fan fiction. Uh, oh my with God, Sawyer. they were writing it on a forum? Yeah. Oh man. I, that seems so... I don't... I mean, it's not, I mean, it's probably not. I'm just so used to fandom being, like, on Love Journal or on mailing list or on fanfiction.net that the idea of it being on a forum is just so totally yeah, alien to Because the forum, the Lost Forum, has, like, several sub-threads, and one of the threads was from fiction. That had to and, be worse for, like, sorting and, and I, searching. I didn't. I didn't write fan fiction per se, but per se. I did do parodies. I did parodies. Uh -huh. So I would take screen caps and I would write stories about it. <laughs> so basically you were writing fanfic. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. Anna. <laughs> All right. Our next listener who is going to share their favorite ship with us is Kay Taylor Ray. And you can find her on Kay Taylor Ray on Twitter. Hey, I'm Kay Taylor Ray, and I'm going to fangirl about Cherrick, the non-canonical romance between Charles Xavier and Eric Lencher. There are tons of versions of Professor X and Magneto, but modern fandom mainly focuses on their depictions from the X-Men First Class universe. They have crazy chemistry, like even my mother, the anti-fangirl, noticed this slash. In the first movie, they move into Charles' ancestral home together to awkwardly co-parent a bunch of young mutants, and then spend most of the rest of the movie making eyes at each other while having meaningful conversations over a chessboard, including in one scene on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, because that's totally not a date or anything. 
in canon, they're divided by ideological differences and um, the social mores and sodomy laws of the 1960s, but I'm sending Anna and Renee a reckless to fix where they get together, because it's Valentine's Day and we all deserve a little love. This wreck comes with actual other wrecks that we'll include in the show notes, so you can go <laughs> find them. So my first ship is... Boy, then we're going to have this total different. It's going to be like total tone shift. Now I'm like thinking about my, the ships I've chosen, the ships that you're probably going to choose. So my first ship is Safar Almasi and Zell Dinch from Final Fantasy VIII, the video game. Came out in 1999. So back when I was a kid, I just really, I was like dealing with like whatever, a lot of eternalized misogyny and whatever else. And like these characters like beat on each other and, you know, violence as affection or whatever. So I'd... I'm gar- like I guarantee like that's why I individ- like actually came into the pairing itself. But like as I got older, I like started to appreciate more about how do you come back and develop affection and have a relationship with somebody after you've been a child soldier because that's what Final Fantasy VIII is about. It's about child soldiers fighting a war. So I came to it from that perspective. I think it was also like the first fandom where I just actually went out and like pushed fiction out. I, I wrote a whole lot of Saffrazel fanfic and posted it in public without having an anxiety attack. And that's sort of where I got my bravery to like go out into fandoms and be active in fandoms and write because I've always been a writer. So I think it was kind of foundational for me in that way too. This, this ship that's actually really old because 1999 was a long time ago and these are two minor characters they're not the main characters of the game oh wow at all <laughs> i do have a wreck that i'll put in the show notes uh, it's called and they lived by gray out and it's like a it's, a it's a short story and it's not very long that i think is really great about the past after the game so it's got spoilers for the game obviously but i think it's really really neat to read it for a couple reasons number one it gives you a good idea of the characters but it also digs into like how you recover after you've been in a war. Final Fantasy VIII is definitely about being in a war. It's like okay. now I'm looking back, it's not really a happy it's not really a happy narrative. Wow. That's yeah. that's that's not I didn't even know that. So. Yeah, Final Fantasy is definitely about war and and being a soldier. Now that I look back from my perch as an adult, like an actual adult. So next up as for our listener ships is Ira, who is also a lady business editor, could you tell I went to my lady business editors and were like, guess what, guys? You gotta submit this thing for me. <laughs> you can find Ira on... It's just Ira on Twitter. They also did uh, our art for the podcast. Yay! Everybody knows Ira because they did our art. Hi, my name is Ira, and I want to talk about Brosco, Orin, and Jeff from Final Fantasy X. I love this relationship because I love poly relationships, and this is a really good one, with room for a lot of conflict and cooperation. It starts out really unbalanced with Orin looking up to Brosco too much, and Brosco being really solemn, and taking a big chance on Jet, which uh, Orin doesn't agree with at all, but eventually they come to really care about each other and bring out each other's positive qualities. Uh, like Jed becomes less of a drunkard, Orin uh, becomes less uptight and more able to stand on his own, and Brosca's people to take his mind off the pilgrimage. I really love the adventures they have over the course of the pilgrimage, and even though it has a sad ending, I love sad endings, so that works for me. I love this ship. Okay, what's up next for you? Right, next for me is a romance novel. It's back when I started reading romance, 
you know, I was coming from backgrounds that mocked romance novels mm -hmm. and that uh, looked at the 70s romance novels, the ones with, the, the, like, they had, like, you know, Lord MacRapey and really the women that didn't fight back or were, like, victims. And there were so many romance novels that I read from the 70s that were just awful so bad like the the man would rape the women and then the women would be victimized and then the men would have to grovel and that was kind of like the way that it was uh for a lot of the novels in the 70s um and then the 80s came the 90s and things started to change and they got great we got super great and that's how things just progress and do how we are now In 1995, there was this novel called Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase. I read the novel only a few years ago, and it was one of the first that won. I thought, wow, the writing, the prose of this novel is absolutely amazing. And two, this is the sort of female character that I want to see. So basically, it's about Sebastian um, and Jessica. And Sebastian is one of those guys that think he's too terrible, that he's so ugly that no lady would ever want him. And of course, what he does, he just, you know, hooks up with a lot of prostitutes and he's a dissolute and he just spends his night uh, in brothels and he has the worst reputation ever. And then he meets this young blue stocking named Jessica and she just turns his world upside down and up to this point is more or less tropage romance novels the difference is that Jessica is just amazing and their conversations are so witty and she just gets back to him every time he says something she's like are you so stupid Sebastian what the fuck are you saying and there is this great scene well there are so many great scenes in this book but one of them is that they are like making out and then they are caught and her reputation is ruined and you know in a lot of old school romance novels what would happen then is that the women would suffer for about 200 pages until the hero would come back in this novel she is ruined her reputation is ruined she goes and she shoots him and then she sues him and then he marries her Uh, it's hilarious because on their wedding night, she's like, I can never, I'm so big. I am going to destroy you. I can never have sex with you. And she's like, oh, shut up. You are such an idiot, buffoon. <laughs> and she's like, she just keeps like, you know, facing him. And it's like every single stupid thing that this novel could do is just subverted. And then, of course, they have sex and it's amazing. And then... Anyway, and in the end, the whole thing about him is not really that he's ugly. It's not the problem. It's that he has always been at the bottom of the joke of everybody. His whole family didn't love him. You know, the usual stuff. We should, do, we should totally read this novel for this podcast. Oh, boy. I knew it. I knew it. This is just a oh gateway. Let's do it. Let's do it. Please, Renee. Please, please, You please. should put it on your vault list. I'll be putting on my vault list right now. No, do not open your computer right now. It will die. <laughs> anyway, Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase, who's an amazing writer and you should read everything that she ever writes. All right. So that was an education on some romance. <laughs> Our next listener, 
Chip is from DD. Hi, I'm DD, and I'd like to talk to you about Storm Pilot. Storm Pilot is the ship name given online to Poe Dameron and Finn from the movie Star Wars The Force Awakens. I love Storm Pilot because I think they make a great pair, uh, because Poe basically named Finn and then thought that he should keep his jacket because it suited him. And basically, I think they're adorable together. I also love it for a defensive reason, which is I, that I don't want Finn to end up with Rey as a couple, because I think they make a great friend, great friends, and I think friendship is a thing that should be highlighted in a movie like this. So my second ship comes from another video game, so still accessible to Anna. Comes from Final Fantasy X2. Final Fantasy X2 was a sequel to Final Fantasy X. It, it was the fan service Final Fantasy sequel, I guess. It was like the first sequel to a Final Fantasy game that never came out. And I actually like it a lot, a whole bunch. It's like one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. I mean, if you looked, if you Google it, you'll see why. It's, uh, there was a lot of feminist criticism of it at the time. Because the characters are definitely dressed in a way that makes you go, hmm, that's for dudes. So anyway, there are two minor characters in the game called Berla and Gipple, and they're minor characters, they're very minor characters, but their past is super tied into things the main character of the video game goes through. The reason that I like Berla and Gipple together so much is because they have a really complicated past together, they have to overcome a lot of like really shitty political things to be together. They're obviously not a canonical couple. Let's be clear here. That most of the <laughs> things I'm talking about are non-canonical. But I just like the possibilities that you that you look at when you put these two characters together. Because they were friends. Something happened. They had a falling out. They came back together. There was some drama. Like It's just full of neat political intrigue, I guess, is the best way to say it. I mean, I don't. if you're familiar with the world of Final Fantasy... 10 then you know the politics that you are dealing with as you come out of that game and how things have changed once you go into Final Fantasy 10 2. That Phantom was also when I met a lot of new friends. I I seem to like center around when I meet people. Like ships that I really really imprinted on have to do with times in my life where I've met other fans that also like that ship a whole lot and so I've been in the fandom with them. And that really cements the ship for me in a lot of ways because you can speculate and you can write stuff with your friends and it's just a fun time. Like, you know how that goes because you, you went through it with Thea, with Kay and Sawyer. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I think that's probably where some of my fondness for this ship comes from. I'm actually writing some of, the, some of, some of this right now for Susan for her birthday, which is very, very overdue. Very overdue. <laughs> Her birthday was last year. We're not going to talk about that part. But eventually I'll finish it. It'll be like 20k of this random minor pairing for Final Fantasy. <laughs> Final Fantasy 10 2. So next up, uh, Ness is going to share a ship that she likes a whole lot. She is Paper by the Ton on Twitter. This is Ness from Cantalk Media, here to talk about the first ship to really destroy my life. Alistair and the Female Warden from Dragon Age Origins. Like, enough that I have a tattoo of my Kuzland, who is the one who romanced him. It was a whirlwind affair with a rose and snark and a minor obsession with cheese. 
and even if the middle of a blight was no time for romance, there was absolutely no way Liam Kuzland was going to allow him to slip through her fingers, not with everything else she'd already lost. Alistair was hope and kindness and steadiness come what may, and that was exactly what she needed. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Okay, Anna, number three. Right, my number three is a favorite couple from a series of books, and it's from the Lord Peter Whimsy mystery novels from by Dorothy L. Sayers, and it's the romance between uh, Lord Peter and Harriet Vane is one of the best that I have ever seen in my life. It's so grown up it's so mature of course they are older people as well i think uh, peter is in it's 45 years old i think and it's really interesting the way that it's done so there are several books in the peter whimsy um, series but there are only four of them in which harriet vane appears and she's such a strong character and the four books are strong poison which is where they meet and then peter falls in love with her but then she is in prison and she's gonna hang for a criminal for a crime that she not commit and he has to uh prove her innocence and then he falls in love with her and then at the end this is not a huge spoiler because you know uh in the end she's the spoiler warning on this one has expired (laughs) expired and she's like you know you saved my life I don't know if I love you or if I'm grateful to you and kind of like breaks his heart but he lets her go and do her own thing and then it takes five years and three more books for them to get together and that relationship is it's with a lot of back and forth a lot of pull and a lot of give a lot of take and he just gives her space and they develop a friendship and it's kind of like heartbreaking and it pulls at your string, your heart string. But it's so amazing the way that they eventually come together because it's so fulfilling and that you we, you believe in that relationship so much. And you believe that in the end, Harriet is just in love with him as much as he's with, with her. And like these books are funny, these books are romantic, these books are so good. So it's Strong Poison is the first, and then it's Have His, His Carcass, and then God Unite, which probably is one of my top three favorite books of all time. And then it's Busman's Honeymoon. They are just so great. And Harriet Vane is one of my favorite female characters of all time. And if I ever had a daughter, and I won't have any, but if I ever had one, I would name her Harriet. I have a cat, and I will name the cat Harriet. You don't even like cats. I like cats. Do you? I love cats. Well, we're just learning all things about Anna today, all her favorite shit, that she loves cats. I thought you didn't like cats. I I don't like the responsibility of having cats. That makes everything. Or any... person everything being... <laughs> becomes clear well interestingly enough we have another listener ship that i think fits really well with yours from jenny who you can find on twitter at reading the end hi i'm jenny from reading the end and my very most favorite romantic pairing is peter whimsy and harriet vane from dorothy sayers's peter whimsy mystery novels in the first harriet vane book strong poison peter whimsy gets harriet off a murder rap And they then have to balance liking each other tremendously with negotiating the complex and uneven power dynamic that this creates between them. 
Um, it's fascinating and sad and funny, um, and I absolutely love them together. So my last ship is something that we're all familiar with if you've listened to our past podcast, which is Arthur and Eames from Inception, the movie that came out in 2010 by Christopher Nolan. So Arthur and Eames basically have like very few lines with each other in the movie, but the lines they do have are super suggestive. And this is my favorite sort of ship, I guess, where this whole mythology is built by fans around two fictional characters so these fans give these fictional characters a life and a history worth hundreds and thousands of lives and histories the fandom was so massive and it was kind of like in the last heydays of the live journal before everything exploded and we all moved to tumblr it was kind of like i knew it was big but i didn't know how much it was like going to change how i engaged with fandom i used to write when i write fanfic like for Final Fantasy, my audience is pretty small because Final Fantasy is not a very large fandom, especially if you're like writing in the Final Fantasies I write in, which are not that popular anymore. And because they're all old, they're all old games. <laughs> they're all old <laughs> games that take like 80 hours to play. There's a reason. <laughs> but Inception was a two hour movie. And so I went from writing for an audience of like, you know, maybe 100 people to an audience where there was like thousands, thousands of people. It felt really it felt really nice to be a part of like a huge massive community they were all were all building this fan in for these two characters who don't really like they don't have a lot of interaction in the movie like you can watch the movie and go you ship these two characters for what reason well for one there is a moment in the very beginning of the movie where Cobb is coming back and he's like we we need a thief we need a, and a forger and and Arthur goes well Eames is in Mombasa and this line, the way that Joseph Gordon-Levitt delivers this line, and the way that later Eames, who's played by Tom Hardy, comes in and ha- communicates with Arthur, and the way they do their back and forth, and they snark at each other, it's very, it's very, like, obviously, fandom loves snarky dude char- the ship snarky dude characters, that's just how fandom goes, but I want to say it's kind of like watching a movie and then being able to read, like, endless tie-in novels. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. not exactly like a tie-in novel. It's more like, here are these characters, but here are these characters and a thousand different scenarios that have nothing to do with the movie. And it was really nice. And and I know that my love of this pairing really comes from the worlds that got created. And I wrote some, I wrote some fanfic in this fandom too. I guess I can link them in the show notes that I'm actually really proud of. And I read some of them, and they were actually really good. Remember? They were actually re- they were actually really good. When I thought they would be terrible. Oh, no. oh man! Oh, Anna, Bird. that came out so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. It's fine, but yeah, they were. And I still, when I see fit, because the fandom is actually still going. Uh, obviously, as we know, we did the, the five year anniversary episode last year with Asia and they're still being fic written and it's it's pretty great to see like the little fandom that could because movie fandoms don't usually last very long if you have a closed canon um the fanfic doesn't tend to to continue because there's not uh, to to produce fanfic fans really need additional content to keep building on what happened um and what happens in the future and what happened in the past and to be creating new worlds and once the canon closes or it's over it's really hard to like keep up the motivations of fans to keep producing content when 
when there's so many of you, because then you're not going to have additional material. People are going to start writing the same thing over and over. I'm, I'm just really happy to see that Inception is sort of continuing and still coming up with great content as people watch it and find the fandom. And God bless those people finding that fandom now. Woo! It, it's amazing. I, yeah. Yeah. So I really, I really like that pairing still. Ah, uh, memories. <laughs> Do you know, I'm really surprised by your choices. Why are you surprised by my choices? Because I think there's a distinct lack of Bucky and Steve Rogers. It's really new for me, though. Both, of, all three of these come. They're like pretty, pretty old. Like Cypher Cells from 1999, Barely Giffles probably from like 2006, Arthur Deems 2010, and so they've been with me for a while, and I've followed them, you know, all that time. Yeah. I haven't really been following Stephen Bucky that long. Only since 2000, I want to say 2012 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I'm not even sure that I could put them on my list because what happens to Steve Tony? Where do I put that? Anna, hmm, where do I uh, put Steve Tony? I know, yeah. But you know, that makes sense because my toys too are kind of like older. I think maybe they are foundational more yes. than. That's yeah. the word I used. It was a great word. Good job, yeah. me. Yeah. And we actually have one more listenership from Minika. From a fantastical librarian. I'm sorry, Minika, I cannot pronounce your Twitter name, but I will include it in the show notes. Do you know how to pronounce your Twitter name? No. <laughs> exactly. How do you pronounce your Twitter <laughs> name, Minika? We don't know. <laughs> We're terrible at pronunciation. You got the word. Pal- Palenki something, isn't it? Yeah, so we'll put that in our show notes if you want to go and be like, hey, what are your favorite ships to Minika on Twitter? Hi. My name is Minika from A Fantastical Librarian. My favorite romantic couple are Diago Alvarez and Miguel de Torayas from T. Frohawk's Lost Nephilim series. What I like about them is that they are an established couple who have overcome much prejudice to be together openly. They've had to work to love each other because of and despite their differences, which feels very real. Their relationship is loving and committed, but they both acknowledge that happiness as a couple means working at it together and they don't take it for granted. This is a healthy partnership, past the initial swooniness of first romance, which is so often what we see in literature. It's time for uh, Rex! Yay! I think you're going to have to go first. Go first. Okay. So my recommendation is another book. It's called Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. Oh, I know this one. Oh, it's so good. Have you read it? I have not read it uh, to everybody's <laughs> and, like inevitable disappointment, uh, but I have it. I own it. It's so good. So it's a historical novel, and it's about two women. And I am not going to say a lot about this one, because the less spoilers you have, the better. Because the point of this book is that the narrators are unreliable, and there are twists after twists after twists in this novel. It's amazingly good fun. And the main characters, Maud and Sue, fall in love with each other. So it is a lesbian romance novel, and it's not a tragedy. It actually ends with a happy ending for the two of them together. What about you? So my wreck, shipwise, comes from Final Fantasy XII. Since we're on a Final Fantasy kick, why not? Let's just go to Final Fantasy XII. Hop up there. Ira and I run a Final Fantasy 
fic exchange. Well, fanwork exchange. It's not just fic, but I mostly get fic. So they got a request from another one of my friends, Rose, for a story about Vaughn and Noah, two characters from the game who have a very, very complicated relationship, which is super spoilery. Ira turned out like a 40,000 word story. Holy shit. In like a week or something. It was hella amazing that they wrote the story so fast and that it was so good. Some of the lines are in like iambic pentameter. Wow. It's really great. It's called These Unending Alchemies of Honor. It, it is, it's like definitely, it's not just about the romance, but it's about how these two characters resolve their differences and come to terms with their current realities and get together. And it's really, really lovely. It's not like if you're worried about like, oh, dude, making out there's really not it happens at the end and the rest of it is politics and self-reflection and being a veteran of a war having family problems being a murderer etc etc and so like if you like political fiction i would highly recommend the story it's great and so that about wraps it up for our Valentine's special episode. Yay, we Yay! made it! Woohoo! Anna, thanks for talking with me this week for Valentine's Day. No problem. It has been such a pleasure. Yes. And pun intended. <laughs> we'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Fangirl Happy Hour is Anna Grillo and me, Renee Williams. I'm also our producer. You'll find links to some of our discussion topics in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr and Facebook at fangirlhappyhour. One long word, no spaces. You can chat with us on Twitter at fangirlpodcast. You can also find us under our personal accounts at booksmugglers and at Renee. Our music is by Boxcat Games. Our logo is by the very talented Era. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode. I'm going to include my name. Maybe that's what got me confused. <laughs> include your name, Renee. <laughs> it's
it's not that hard. Tell people who you are. I'm just, just I am this <laughs> random boy speaking to you from the above. Really? Okay. 